Catholic Views. I'm your host, not Renee Crane. <laughs> she is taking some much needed time off, and I'm going to fill in for her. I'm Casey Bassett. I'm another communications team member here. Um, she'll be back later on. She's going to talk to Sarah Vetch of the Lord Center about a very interesting topic, gaming, how it affects relationships especially, and human flourishing, something that's very applicable today, I think, given the gaming climate and the increase in gaming and whatnot. So, But first... Biblical bites with Dr. B. So, Casey, have you have you do, you do you have you seen the interview yet? I have not. Oh shoot! So I can't ask you questions because I'm really interested. Was this like <laughs> I game, watched bits and pieces, but I haven't watched. Is it gaming thing. like video gaming or gaming like gambling gaming? No, it's I think it's specifically around video Ooh. gaming. But that actually covers a lot more than I kind of thought. So it's oh. an interesting. Check it out. All right. Well, I, I will. I will have to stick around after biblical bites too. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Casey, as you know from sitting in Elisa's yeah, chair for yeah. many, many months, uh, my first question to Renee, uh, what Sunday are we in? 33rd. 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. One more Sunday in Ordinary Time. Two weeks in the church year to go before we get to Advent. Uh, yeah. So um, I mentioned last week that the, there's now these last few Sundays of the church year, uh, the, the readings... Um, for Sunday Mass, but also daily Mass, sort of turn towards um, things apocalyptic. Sure. In some cases, end of the world. Mm-hmm. In other cases, end of eras. So the gospel reading today is from Luke 21, uh, 5 through 19, and it begins this way. Well, some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings. Jesus said, all that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. So Jesus here has been teaching in the temple, and now he's teaching about the temple. And he's prophesying, 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 <laughs> prophesying, Um the destruction of the temple, which would happen some 40 years later in 70 AD. The Romans come because the Jews uh, later on um, go into more open revolt against, we read in the gospels, you know, like the um, the zealots, yep. they're the sort of basically the insurrectionists yep. of Jesus' day, Jews who are like, we got, we got, we got to do, we got to literally fight against the Romans to kick them out because they shouldn't be here. This is holy land. What are these, these pagan Gentiles, blah, blah, blah. But they sort of like, they're a small minority. Well, later, there are some other um, messianic pretenders. I'm the Messiah. Let's go (laughs) cast out the Romans. Um, Well, the Romans, I mean, this is the greatest (laughs) military power in in, at the time. Uh, They come along and they quash the rebellion and they destroy Jerusalem. They destroy the temple. Uh, so Jesus here is speaking about, at the beginning of Luke chapter 21, he's speaking about the destruction of the temple. He's, he's prophesying. In fact, he prophesied so effectively that as those events were unfolding, um, the Christians of the time in the late 60s thought of Jesus's words. Really? Uh, yeah. And, and they, they actually fled to, uh, they fled to modern day Jordan. So across the Jordan River, they recognized literally, so so. We know from Josephus that some of the things, and we don't have time to get into it because I want to get back to the first reading, but some of the things that Jesus speaks about, signs in the skies, three things in the skies, mm-hmm. plagues, these things happened in the years and decades leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem. So Christians reading the signs of the times, remembering what Jesus said in the temple, like, uh-oh, like, huh. stuff's going to go down. We better get out of here. And so, so most Christians in Jerusalem uh 
obviously Jewish Christians at the time, fled Jerusalem, went across the Jordan to modern day, across the Jordan River to modern day Jordan um, and avoided uh, the destruction um, being killed. Know that. Yeah, yeah. So it's fascinating of itself because Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us about a lot of things that were happening. Like it's exactly what we read about mm. in the gospel. So there's that. So again, turning to the end of the the destruction of the temple is a big deal for the Jewish oh, yeah. people. Um, it's remained a big deal because they can't offer sacrifice now. So um, this this apocalyptic turn, if you will, the, either the end of time or the end of an era. I want to go back, though, to Malachi, which is where the first reading comes from. So Malachi is living and prophesying Old Testament era at the time leading up to, so it's the divided kingdom. It's leading up to another apocalyptic, apocalyptic time when the, um, the northern kingdom, the 10 tribes in the north, would be taken in exile by the Assyrians, okay. I think. Okay. Uh, so he's living sort of before that happens and then, and then after that happens. So the first reading for Mass today comes from, comes from Malachi 3, and it begins, it just, <laughs> lo, the day is coming. I mean, it's got the, the, the trend, uh, yeah. new American. Lo, the day we is know coming. Where this is going. Blazing like an oven, when all the proud and all evildoers will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, leaving them neither root nor branch, says the Lord of hosts. But for you who fear my name, there will arise the sun of justice with, with its healing rays. So I just. I I love the reading because it begins with low. <laughs> so often when when, um, when I uh, go to mass, I hope that the the lector really you know <laughs> just this reading. And I, I love this not because I mean I I know that I um, I can be proud and I can do evil, and I know that I will be have to be. I desire to be purified of my pride and the evil that I have done. Um, but I also fear the name of the Lord. And I love, for, for you who fear my name, there will arise the son of justice, S-U-N, like the image yep. of the son. Okay. The son of justice with the healing rays. So this is, this is looking to what's coming now with the, the looming exile, which is awful for those Israelites sure. who are exiled. But it's also looking to Jesus' com- first coming okay. um, when he comes because he will, there will arise the son of justice with its healing rays. Jesus is going to come with his healing rays. And this is also looking ultimately to the end of time. So we get these, these multi-level, multi-layered meanings of these passages. I love this time of the year. Wow, great. Very insightful. Thanks, Dr. B. You bet. In the studio with me today, I have a special treat. This is Sarah Vetch. She is here. She's a clinical counselor from the Lord Center, new with the Lord Center. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you came in today. Um, there was a topic that we really wanted. We wanted to introduce you first to the diocese because sure. you're new with the Lord Center. Yeah. And there's a topic we wanted to talk to talk about in particular um, about gaming. And relationships, basically, both marriage relationships and family relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we ran a little, uh, a short story in the Bishop's Bulletin a few months ago um, about gaming. And it got lots of attention on social media and stuff. And we were like, ooh, maybe people want to know. That. My husband, who's not a gamer, he was like, that was a really interesting story. You guys should talk about that more. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so yeah. thought we better do that. 
And Sarah was kind enough to say, I would love to talk about that. Sure. <laughs> you bet. I'm happy to be here. Good. Thanks a lot. Um, will you first, since you're new, will you let us uh, kind of fill us in a little bit about you and how you ended up at the Lord Center? Sure. Yeah. So I have a really, um, it's an interesting story because okay. I have a campus ministry background. Oh. I was, I was actually a stay-at-home mom and raised four great human beings. Mm-hmm. But as they were um, growing and maturing, had the opportunity to get into campus ministry at a Catholic school in Rapid City. Okay. And had a great experience there, um, was the director of their retreat team, and then assisted with liturgies and, mm-hmm. and other special events and the mission team. But just had a great um, fellow campus minister and a great chaplain, and just had a really life-giving, wonderful experience there. Mm-hmm. My husband's job brought us to Aberdeen, which right. is our home area. Right. Is that and where then, you're from originally? Yep. I okay. grew up and graduated from Ron Colley and Northern. Okay. Um, so as we were back in the area and our nest was officially empty, our son was going to start his freshman year in college, um, looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. I just went to the president of the Catholic school in Aberdeen and I gave him my resume. I said, this is who I am. This is what I do. And they created a spot for me oh, wow. at Ron Colley. So it was, it was really a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happened that I found myself praying a lot with students who were hurting or in crisis mm-hmm. and, the president just recognized a need um, because, unfortunately, their school counselor was really, really sick. Oh. And so um, I was asked to go back and get a master's degree in school counseling. Mm-hmm. And kind of with a, I don't want to say a flippant arrogance, but just to own that, like, in Legally Blonde, when she says, oh, Harvard Law, like, that's not hard. <laughs> I can do that. Uh, and then you're like, like, wait a second, this uh, might be hard. Right. I was like, sure, I'd be happy to do that. That sounds fun. Counseling kids sounds fun. And so went on, pursued a master's degree in school counseling, and it is hard, mm-hmm. and um, found that there's so much more to school counseling than counseling. Right. Um, and just just by virtue of experience, came to realize that that was not my joy. Oh. And um, so resigned that position after a couple of years. And then I just took a year to sit mm-hmm. and to pray and to be still. And it was post-COVID. So there's just sure. a lot that, that was that encapsulated happened. in that. Um, but just really found myself sitting at the Lord's feet. And just by virtue of, I don't even know, but a connection with Emily, mm-hmm. Liedem, the director um, of the Lord's Center, just continued to have dialogue and pondered what would it look like perhaps to do counseling clinically sure. instead of in a school. Sure. So just as that conversation evolved and I continued to pray, the Lord actually brought me here to serve. Yeah. And I'm excited excited to be here. Started this fall and having a great experience. I'm on the road a little bit right yep. now. Yep. So between Aberdeen, Watertown, and Sioux Falls, I'll be serving people. Oh, that's wonderful. And yeah, it's been an adventure and it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience and such a great culture. And I love the um, fellowship and expertise of my coworkers mm-hmm. and directors. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a really great experience thus far. Good. And it's really nice that uh, Lord Center can bring some uh, counseling uh, opportunities to Watertown. I know there's yeah. maybe been some in Aberdeen already, yeah. or maybe are you the first one up there? Actually, there's a um, uh, another counselor that serves on Tuesdays and okay, also on right. Thursdays. Okay, so. I, I thought there was another one yeah. up there perhaps. So that's yeah. really great. So it's been, and Watertown especially is exciting just yes. because it's new and and the the um, parish community that's supporting the office there is just on fire and yes. excited. Yes. So it's been great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that will be really good for you. So, yeah. all right. Um, Good. So let's start with uh, the the gaming portion. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of people who play video games mm-hmm. <laughs> of some type. Mm-hmm. So 
this is really a problem and and how is it a problem if you if it's too much sure that's that's a great question um i just want to give you some fast facts yeah. just so we understand the scope that of, would be helpful gaming. yes um 66% of the population play video games wow Six, that's 214 million americans play video games yeah um that's all that's that's a huge number. Correct? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we play them on our phone. We play them on consoles. We play them on computers. Yep. And not that it, I don't want to use the word pervasive, but very available, right. readily available. Can I ask a question about that? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about all types of games? Like, for instance, I play solitaire on my phone. Correct. That includes that. Yes. I'm a gamer. Yeah. Shoot. You're, you are totally a gamer. <laughs> so interesting. Also, the average age of a gamer is 35. Wow. So, yeah, so grandma and grandpa playing solitaire, um, you know, anything <laughs> I'm not down a grandma to a, if that's a what you're one. getting at. <laughs> but, but that's that's who's playing. What I'm saying is right. that's who's yeah. playing. Yeah. Yeah. And like everybody. Um, yeah, down to the little ones on an on an iPad. Mm-hmm. So, everybody's playing. Um, 78% of women play on their phone. Okay. Which is a little different than dudes. Dudes uh, will play on a console. <laughs> oh, sure. That makes sense. So, yep. Because so, they're usually playing something like Wii or I'm going to date myself. I don't even know what the current one is. <laughs> Our producer's laughing at me because she's okay. much younger than me. That's, o- that's okay. That's okay. Um, so, so, yeah, it's just um, it is readily available. And 75% of people have a console in their home. Wow. So three quarters of America have mm-hmm. a gaming console in their mm-hmm. home. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a part of our culture. Uh, as we age, so the 55 to 64-year-old age category, they play for stimulation. Okay. They want to keep their brain sharp. Sure. Their motivation yep. to play is far that more is than recu- yep. recreation. Yep. Yep. And then 38% of gamers are age 18 to 34. Okay. So we would think of that young adult yep. um, group, which which probably when we think of gamers, I would think of a teenager or a young adult first yes. and foremost. Yes. And then 21% are under 18. So over half are under age 34. Right. Right. So, That's not a surprise. Yeah. And then 90% of kids play video games. 90%. Oh. 90%. I wonder, did you see any any numbers for how that has grown over the years? You know, I didn't. I looked at current mm-hmm. stuff. What's interesting, though, is um, we have a story of a little tyke that had an Etch-A-Sketch. Uh-huh. And as kids, we would play with the Etch-A-Sketch, yep. right, and draw the picture. Well, this little tyke picked up the Etch-A-Sketch, and he was... Oh, he was hitting it, point at like it, an yeah, I, like an iPad, mm-hmm. because their brain and their experience says, "Oh, I touch that and something happens." Right. Not, I turn a knob and right. something happens. Yeah, yeah, so it really does. Your brain just works in different ways, then, yeah. doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay, so obviously there are some people who are playing maybe too much. Yeah. So, what does yeah. a gaming addiction look like? That's a great question. And when we think about gaming as a as a hobby or as a leisure activity, there's such a fine line between virtue and vice. Right. Right. So we always want to be mindful um, of that moderation yeah. that we're called to. Yeah. But um, just because we're mindful and aware that we're maybe playing a lot, sometimes that habit turns into mm-hmm. to an addiction. Mm-hmm. And um, these are some signs that you may be addicted to gaming. <laughs> And, and I would parlay anybody who's not a gamer to put their favorite hobby into the same questioning. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So okay. so we're talking about gaming today, but yep. think about golf or fishing right. or hunting or shopping or whatever right. it is. Okay. And then see see how this sits with you if gaming's not your thing. Sure. But um, signs you may be addicted to gaming. And this is from a website of a recovered gaming 
addict. Oh, okay. That now advocates for gaming addicts. This is this is kind of his list to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, preoccupation. Okay. So when you're not gaming, you're thinking about gaming. Okay. Withdrawal when you stop playing. You get agitated and irritable if you're not able to play your games. Mm-hmm. Tolerance. You're playing so much that it takes either longer to get the satisfaction and pleasure you normally would. Oh, wow. Or if your game has built-in um, features that you purchase, mm-hmm. you need to purchase more to get more pleasure. Okay. So you build up a tolerance. Okay. Um, if you have an unsuccessful attempt to control your gaming. Oh, boy. <laughs> so think about that. So, yeah. So my mom is on my case. I've been gaming too much. I flunked my test. She's, you know, I'm grounded from gaming. Mm-hmm. And wow, all of a sudden, I, I can't not do this. Right. So, right. yeah. Um, loss of interest in other hobbies. I was out for sports or I used to go to the gym. I no longer do so that I can, can so that I can game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that excessive use over a period of time, like the World Health Organization for their um, diagnosis that gaming is an addiction, mm-hmm. they actually look at a 12-month time span. Okay. However, if all of these attributes are present, they will diagnose it in a shorter okay. time span. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. So here's a big one, deception. I'm lying about my use. Oh, I'm hiding my gaming. Yep. Um, I'm not admitting that I'm gaming. I'm looking for ways to game that nobody knows about. Oh, boy. So anytime we want to hide, um, that mm-hmm. should be a red flag that mm-hmm. says, ooh, something's, something's not right here. Right. Um, and this also is really indicative. If you're in a low mood or you're having a bad day, your go-to is gaming. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's not talking to somebody who loves you. Mm-hmm. It's not prayer. It's not a walk outside mm-hmm. to connect with nature. I'm going to go game. Right. I'm in a low mood. I'm going to I'm gonna go to gaming right. to bring me up. Right. Yeah. Those are uh, super helpful because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, I don't have a problem, but they might hear, see themselves in that mm-hmm. a little bit. And it's interesting that you say replace it with some other hobby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I wouldn't have thought of that. Mm-hmm. And that's very true. It could be something else that's not gaming. We have to pay attention to the things we're addicted to. Absolutely. Yeah. And the last one that I think um, also is a big red flag negative impact on your relationships. Yeah. So we as human beings are made to be in community um, and anything that isolates us and takes us out of those key relationships is probably something we need to examine right. and look at. Yeah. So that's really the next place I want to go because um, I, I've actually known some some marriages that have kind of basically fallen apart because of gaming. Um, so what is the damage that that causes in a marriage and why is that yeah. such a such a a uh, bad place to go. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, if we look at um, healthy relationships mm-hmm. and we look at trust and affection and all of those things that give us that quality in our relationships that is near and dear to our hearts, mm-hmm. um, when something breaks trust, our attachments are affected. Right. And um, when someone is focused on gaming, um, to me, the phrase that's really resonated with me is taking your eyes off your beloved. Oh yeah. And taking your eyes off the beloved. Mm-hmm. So anything that interferes with my relationship with the Lord, and then anything also that interferes with my relationship with my beloved or my spouse, mm-hmm. um, those are things to be attentive to. And, and so to, to really get into the nuts and bolts, um, there's a really great study out of Brigham Young University. Okay. And they actually looked at over 2,100 couples that were in relationship for five years or longer mm. and how gaming impacted mm-hmm. their relationship. 
And the bottom line, the brass tacks there was it wasn't so much about the gaming, but it was the other person's perception of your gaming. Right. And that's, that was an eye-opener for me because when you think about it, the amount of gaming is negotiable. The game you're playing may be negotiable. Mm-hmm. But if I am feeling slighted or not attended to or trust is broken because of your gaming, that perception mm-hmm. is really what impacts the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can really, to me, um, because it interrupts the connection so mm-hmm. much, it's almost like, now, it's not cheating. I understand that. But it's almost like that because mm-hmm. you've, you've taken all your attention away yeah. and, and given it to something else. Yeah. It was surprising to me in my research. Uh, they, the um, addiction itself or the, the gaming culture, uh, people would report that they have better relationships with their partner online in their game than they do their spouse in real mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And so their time and affection and their their emotional resources actually go to their gaming community as opposed to their actual family, friends, and physical community. Right, does right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And now there was something um, you had kind of given me a sneak peek at some of your research, and there was some stuff in there about attachment theory. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that comes into play? Sure. So historically, attachment theory looked at um, parental and child attachment mm-hmm. from John Bowlby. Mm-hmm. So he was... Way back, way back. But as we parlay that and we look at it in uh, marital bonds or relationships as a couple, there's really three things. And especially the study at um, Brigham Young looked at, it looked at uh, um, accessibility of partners, Mm -hmm. engagement of partners, and responsiveness of partners, um, if I'm saying that right. So, So when they measured those things with the gaming culture and gaming within a couple's relationship, those things were highly, highly... uh, I want to. I want to. I don't want to say volatile, but they were responsive mm-hmm. to gaming and those perceptions the couple, sure. each member of the couple, had mm-hmm. regarding gaming. And um, when we look at um, partners that both game, um, their attachments seem to be strong and healthy. Oh, sure. Because yeah. they they agreed on that hobby, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then partners that one games and one doesn't is kind of where the troubles lie right? because that perception of the non-gaming partner was really indicative um, of that relationship. And that can lead to quarreling. It can lead to broken trust. It can lead, you know, just to um, going to bed at different times. I mean, very yeah. simple, basic things, but for a healthy attachment in a couple, mm-hmm. you really need those three things to be intact and strong. Yeah. Yeah, you almost really start living two separate lives mm-hmm. in a way. If you're not going to bed at the same time, you're not doing the same things with each other or doing anything with each other. So yeah. Yeah. are there some things, there, there's two things I really want to be able to talk about yet, and that's some some solutions mm-hmm. for how to deal with this type of problem and the spiritual aspects. Sure. So can you give us some ideas, and maybe it's counseling, but are there some yeah. some things that can help yeah. this, especially marriages, but in families perhaps too? Yeah, so when we th- think of human flourishing, that's really the heart of the question. Mm-hmm. How can we flourish in our marriage, our relationships, and in our families? Um, and how can couples connect to have a happy, healthy, holy marriage, um, yeah. marriage and relationship? And what honors our dignity mm-hmm. um, in that sacrament? Um, so intentional leisure is good. Mm-hmm. And, and this isn't, again, this isn't just about gaming. Intentional right. leisure is good. It's life-giving. But I, I will stand on anything that takes our eyes off our beloved, mm-hmm. and the beloved is is probably not going to help us flourish. Right. 
And so in that regard to bring order back to things, there's a quote I'd really like, yeah. I'd really like to read. Um, and this is from Saintly Solutions by Father Joseph Esper. Um, it said, God is able to provide us with all that we need, and he wants us to enjoy the blessings of his creation. But we must do so in a balanced and reasonable way. The failing of self-indulgence, however, occurs when we give these things higher priority than the will of God. Wow. So that's that's maybe a heady answer to your question, mm-hmm. but it's really about just a well-ordered, well-balanced life. Right. And, and where a a virtuous desire for leisure has turned into a vice, mm-hmm. then we just need to employ help. Right. 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 We need to talk about it honestly as a couple and we need to use our resources, whether right. it be our pastor, a counseling um, session, you know, any of those things that can help us just get back on track. Right. Because when the trust is broken, sometimes it's not even safe to discuss it. It becomes yeah. a really hot topic. Yeah. And we want to, we want to, we want to neutralize that to the point that each person can speak their experience and their truth yeah, and then bring healing to that wound. Yeah. I imagine it's got to be really difficult in marriages sometimes because the person who's gaming may not be willing to make any changes or do anything about it Mm -hmm. at first. Um, So I imagine you would at least recommend that the other person, the other spouse go to counseling or find some help. Absolutely. Do you have any recommendations for getting that other person to, to move in the right direction? You know, know, this is awareness is usually half the battle. Right. And um, I think the website is gamequitter.com. I'll get you the information. Okay. There's literally a survey online. And this uh, website was started by a gaming addict. Mm-hmm. And he looks at those standards that the um, World Health Organization has said, this is what gaming addiction right. consists of. And literally, you can go online and in a very short time, you can answer questions about your gaming habit. Mm-hmm. And then it'll bring up that awareness of, oh, yeah, this this right. looks like it might be a problem right. for you. And it wouldn't necessarily mean, well, it might mean that for some people, but it wouldn't necessarily mean you have to completely stop mm-hmm. gaming. Correct. But in order to, you have to first know you have a problem, mm-hmm. as always, but yep. you you might have to give it up. Yeah. Um, but I think it'd be worth it. Your marriage is certainly worth it. Your mm-hmm. family's worth it. Yep. Um, real quick before we go, of course, yep. this is, can be a problem with, with families, with, yep. with kids. Yep. Is there something parents should do to keep their kids from falling into this terrible yeah. habit? <laughs> yeah. And, and for parents, I would say Common Sense Media is a great place to start okay. because they literally will list the game and then how you can keep your kids safe. Oh. Yeah. It's a, it's a great website. That's a website, commonsensemedia.com? Yep. Yep. Dot org. Dot org. Commonsensemedia.org. Okay. And they have like Roblox, um, just all Fortnite, all the different games. And then like this is, these are the dangers of oh. these games. So oh, you that's can do brilliant. X, Y, and Z to help yeah. your child navigate. Yeah. Um, that would be super helpful for parents because they probably don't even know what's going on in the game or what yeah. it is that makes it addictive right. in that way. And they're designed to be addictive. Oh, yes. So just full full disclosure, games are designed to keep you playing. Right. Right. I, that is totally true. Even solitaire. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So everybody's got to be aware. Correct? Yeah. 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 I love that. Yep. Okay. Sarah, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming in and talking about this. I think this is a, um, a conversation that pe- I hope people will, will take to their real lives and just their regular lives and talk to their loved ones about it because it really can do damage to relationships. So, but there's hope. There is hope. Yeah. It's, it's, I would think, a lot easier to deal with than some other addictions, but it, it does have to be dealt with. So thanks a lot for being here. All right. If you haven't found us already on social media, you can find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and also now at Rumble. 
at the handle SF Diocese. And you can also find us at our website, sfcatholic.org, anytime. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.